Hey, Mr. Finley, how are you? You're a treasure. I I am. I am. Of what, uh, one wonders? Yes, of of my madre right over here. Wow. My mother mountain, is that kind of what that means, isn't it? Yeah. Nice. Um, (laughs) My God. You know, it's hard to think of a Bogart movie I don't like. We did our 100th episode on on Humphrey Bogart. It was kind of at my insistence, but I didn't feel a lot of resistance from you. We picked six movies. We got kind of weird, and like some of them were classic Bogart, and some of them were like, what the hell? We did that intentionally. Because the thing is, with Bogart, like I think when we were doing Patreon episodes, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, are now... Available to you, my Everyone. friend. Everyone. Wow. Previously Patreon. We ended up doing two. We've done two already with uh-huh. Kane Mutiny and Key Largo. And it's like, here we go again, because it seems like an endless well. Even movies like Sirocco or like Tokyo Joe, it's like, they're still going to be okay. It's Bogart, baby. I got to say that uh, in, in, in all honesty, I think maybe, yeah, I want to say, I don't know. I want to say like the greatest actor, but what I really mean is the greatest movie career of all time. Yeah, I think that's it. Was had by Humphrey Bogart. I cannot say much he's, better actors out there. Yep. Always, and even Definitely. at the time, there were better oh, actors. Yes. But he had such a such a niche. He was such a he was such an American. I don't know how else to put that. He was such an American, and by which I mean sort of the better elements of what it means to be an American in some senses. That's what he. That's what he portrayed. Because of the studio system, you portrayed. You were a thing, right? You were. You were an item. You had a specialty. He had that quality. I don't know how else to put it. Because at least from the male perspective, when there are classic movie stars that are, we could probably name five without even thinking about it. Who are? Um, well, without even thinking about it, it's our specialty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, but nothing's happening. Come on, go. Uh, yay! <laughs> um, if you think about classic movie actors who are like devastatingly handsome. Right. right, right, all the from whatever uh, uh, Rudolph well, Valentino Leslie Howard to, <laughs> of course, but to, all the way to like Paul Leslie Newman Nelson. or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. No. There's a reason, and and yes, they are all so good, but he's sort of like the like he's not, yeah, and he's not like so ugly that he has to be a character actor either, right? Although he's he, short, yeah, and he's got a weird way of talking because of his fucked up mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, you got that split when he was in the navy, like like during World War One, yeah, yeah. and it never it never quite healed right. But yeah, the, the, the guy started off. He like first off, he had a long he had a long career just as a character actor, sidekick to Edward G. Robinson and James Cagney and all those movies, particularly James Cagney. Yeah, yeah. In all those in all those old gangster movies, he played a type, and then. He just he managed to come out of that and into sort of the broader world, you know. And it you know became what? like it became like not just a leading man, the leading man. Can I just say something? Please, I don't think everything you're saying is correct, and, I know, I, and, I know. and me too. But we're now just in danger of repeating the first five or ten minutes of that Humphrey Bogart episode because mm-hmm. this is not about Bogart itself. And I, I'm the one who led us off on this trail, so yeah, well. mea culpa. Well, Forgive me. Okay, he thinks he's Italian because so. we're. Uh, we're really talking about the treasure of Sierra Madre, specifically. What's up? By the way, that's also the sound Joe makes when he comes. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. The monitor can follow that. Yeah, um, 
Sorry if I scream at that time. But that's what I do. Yes, it is. So the treasures here, Monday. So 1948. <laughs> what are you looking like? The is it rolling? Yeah, yeah, we're rolling. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, if if sure. it wasn't, that'd be, that'd be even better. <laughs> Upsetting. Um, so. Uh, so it's like, first of all, John Huston is someone we're talking about here, right? Because it's like he's the director. At, at forty-one, he's still sort of making the transition between sort of screenwriter for High Sierra to his first movie, uh, uh, that little movie called The Maltese, Maltese Falcon. Falcon yeah. And then throughout the forties, it's like between going off to war and stuff, he's not actually making that many movies, right? So right. when forty-eight comes along, and didn't he did he did Kill Argo too, right? I think he did Key Largo and Treasure Sierra Madre both in 48. Did he do Key Largo? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's like, you know, he's obviously got a relationship with Bogart, and they actually had a, a real-life relationship. Right, right. But it's like, okay, this movie is so interesting, because it's like, Bogart is, is for the f- first time, maybe? I guess technically you could, I could point to other things, but he's not doing the classic Bogart thing. You know, later on he does uh, Okay Mutiny. Well, you know, okay, so so that's one of the things that he also did really, really interestingly. I thought I thought it was really great. It was I think Bogart was kind of a realist. Like he understood when his when he was you know when his the, when he started getting he started getting to a certain age. Suddenly your charisma and your physical charisma isn't gonna isn't gonna carry you as far. Not for you. And Tommy. so he stepped. Well, God, God knows when that day is gonna come. Yep. Um, so, but but so he was able to then step up sort of his uh, step up his acting chops and became mm-hmm. I think in the, the 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 latter end of his career he became sort of overall a better actor. Yeah, he certainly got larger. He certainly got broader roles. Yeah, I mean, the reason I paused there was because I was thinking of, have you ever seen the 1939 Bogart movie, The Return of Dr. X, where he has the skunk haircut? That sounds familiar. Oh, God, yes. But the point is, like, well, he didn't really have a choice in 1939 for Mm -hmm. being, like, they just gave him something different to do. Right. Whereas in, in now, when we're talking about the K-Mutiny, or 1951's The African Queen, or 1948 now's Treasure Sierra Madre, he is doing what you're talking about. He's deciding to sort of, like, have a second chapter, if you will. Right. Um, And so that's amazing. But also, like, you know, our good friend, um, Dr. Paul Gilmore. Oof. Um, wanted to do this episode. Right, right, right. Uh, but then we did it without him. Because fuck him. Yep. Because he's not here right now. He's not here right now. Because we're, yes. Um, he and, talked about something, he brought something up to me, and it was like, oh yeah, you and I were kind of on this, on the trail of this early mm-hmm. on, and that's the idea that we should be talking about B. Traven. Right. right. I kind of figured that when you said we weren't, this was going to be less Bogart and more, I kind of knew this was where this was going. Yeah. Well, I wasn't actually driving there initially when I said that, but, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it ended up there and it's like B. Traven's this interesting character, right? I haven't, I haven't read other stuff, but I did read, I think we both read the Treasures here of Madre, yep. right? We did, yeah. And so, mean, so we're talking about more of the book than the movie at the moment here. Just for the time, just B. for Traven's the second. B. Traven's guy who wrote the book. Right, yeah. B. Traven, sorry. He wrote the novel, The, the Treasures here of Madre. <laughs> and it's like, I'm a huge fan of the naturalist sort of movement and probably most um sort of prompted by theodore dreiser but this idea like stephen crane was another one this idea that it's like you write books around the kind of like a social darwinism the idea that the universe is against man and that's the sort of natural drama that happens and I, i consider this book to be kind of part of that whether it officially is or is not part of that movement there's a naturalism to the story that's like it's you and the universe and right. you're bound to lose and the only interesting thing about it is how you're going to lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I am I often saying that? Probably, but <laughs> I mean but but except in the sense that that is the I don't way know why that's that is definitely the way this movie this movie and this book works for sure. 
Yeah. So I mean, Walter Walter Houston, the, the director's father, is is in it. Walter Houston was. I don't really know Walter Houston from that much. I mean, he plays a bit sort of uncredited role in the Maltese Falcon. There's right. an embarrassing um, interview with him when I was when I was teaching um, Birth of a Nation for oh, no. a lit was class. he in Birth of a Nation? No, oh. but he he sits down with. Um, What's his name? D.W. Griffith. Okay. And they said David Duke. David Duke. <laughs> well, in a way, because Walter Houston, old, you know, mountain gold man, Walton Houston, he's sitting, sitting in a, a suit and a tie, and he's talking about what a great film to actually celebrate the uncelebrated Ku Klux Klan. Oh, yeah. I was well, I shocked. Mean, for sure. It definitely is. Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, if you if you're gonna, you but know, anyway, I don't know much about other. him, but he <laughs> pops in this movie. But B. Traven writes this. You know, the thing about this about the book is that it gets a lot more than the movie does into like the jungles quotes around that of Mexico. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And and, and you know, I guess the movie can only spend a certain amount of time in there because they're doing everything on on uh, Warner Brother backlots. Yes. Uh, but anyway, beautifully. It, but yeah, yeah. So it's a, okay. It's a great story about what. Well, oh, greed. I mean, the, the, we're talking about the movie. I mean, the book, right? Take your pick. Well, okay. I mean, well, both of them are ultimately about greed. Yeah. But there's different. There's there's the the two the two diverge rather heavily in sort of in their means. Okay. Okay. So I mean, B. Traven was uh, he was I, I'm going to say it, like writing communist propaganda literature in a sense. Sure. Like that was definitely his his goal and his aim. Yeah. That was the back part of it, and he was showing like. How you know the systems of capitalism sort of break a person down? And granted, these are people going off to dig for gold, but they're doing so in response to, like the physical, you know, like the physical environment that they that they they live in. By physical, I mean sort of the economic environment, I guess. Yeah. So so how everything is in response to that, and you know, the, the, the ultimately uh, greed isn't good. <laughs> I think is where Traven is definitely coming from. And I think that's true of the movie, but to but but in a le- much less pointedly communist way, sense. Yeah, what's interesting though is like about by, the, by by necessity about yeah absolutely. But uh, what's interesting, ironically, is that the way that Houston handles some early capitalist sort of um, uh, foreshadowing, let's say, right, mm-hmm. th- that the book also handles, but the movie handles it much more poignantly. Sorry, let me gather my thoughts here. No, there's, please. A, there's a please. The reason that Ooh. that um, Bogart and Tim Holt are in Mexico, um, th- even thinking about going off to, to dig for gold, yeah. is they go through the, this sort of litany of jobs where they get ripped off. Yeah, and the book mentions that, but the movie makes a lot more out of it. The thing is, I think that Houston makes a lot more out of it because it's just a, a, an interesting way of telling the story, of making us understand the story. I don't think he's after the same thing that B. Traven is after. Yeah, yeah well, Houston is never political, I think. Right. I feel very comfortable saying that. Right, yeah. right, right. Well, is, I mean... Wait a minute. Oh, I don't well, know okay. that you should say that. Yeah, of, okay. so what about not political? Our... Not political in the sense of a po- of a political ideal necessarily. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say that he is. I, I, I've always. He, I think he's always sort of skewed liberal by sort of the American context in which he's he's normally yeah. placed. Um, but yeah, but not like as specifically political. It's like if I if I I'm sorry if I'm going to go off road here for a second. I really apologize. I'm just rem- remembering something. Go. Yeah. Go. Go. Sorry. Well, I just remember having this conversation with a friend of mine about the the show Murphy Brown. Sorry, uh, this will go. This will tie in. Okay, you, that, you can't hear it, but my eyes just went <laughs> boom. Candace Bergen, if you don't remember, had this, this show called Murphy Brown in the '90s, and it was a big controversy. Murphy's Brown. 
that Murphy Brown, Candace Bergen, was um, choosing, the character was choosing to have a child out of wedlock, to be a single mother. Yeah. And I remember at the time, like the Rush Limbaugh's oh, of the time geez. and stuff like, brah, 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 brah. and this friend of mine. How far were we, were we from gay marriage at that point? <laughs> Holy shit. This friend of mine was saying, like, who's not even a conservative necessarily, but he was saying like, yeah, that was kind of a political move to, to socialize us towards something, whether you like the thing or not. And my response to him was, no, I actually think it was writers in a room saying, what can we do that's interesting? Uh, okay. And so I think it's like, I want to bring that back here because I think that B. Traven is the one trying to socialize us. Right. Or, or so condition us socially. Mm -hmm. and, and Houston is saying, well, I don't care what his intent was. This is an interesting way of trying to, to, to up the conflict for these characters so that they're, they're going to go into the mountains and, and right. pan for gold. Yeah, okay, sure. That's all I had. Suspend the sentence. <laughs> well, okay, you know what was really, as we were talking about, I just realized that this movie is very similar to another movie that we've also covered on this, which is The Wages of Fear. Yeah. I kind of had forgotten about that, but there's a lot. There's Sure. The, and come to think of it, I'm like, God, I wonder who wrote The Wages of Fear. That'd be interesting. If B. Traven. It was B. Traven. Because it's so on message with with the message from... Uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre too. That's the other thing about B. Traven is that is that his writing is one story and his he as a person is another one because he's kind of like one of the things that Houston said was that this executive from Warner Brothers kept showing up and he realized later on I think that was B. Traven like in disguise <laughs> like in sunglasses and a hat like he was this weirdo um, guy. You know? you know what you should do? You should make a movie out of that book. <laughs> Do you think so? <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a great book. I think I know, I right. About that. But but now that you mention it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, that was good. <laughs> good role play there, Tommy. Um, Why was that really tall guy with the with the, with the, uh, the trench coat on? It's, yeah. five, it's four children named B. Traven. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, so so it's like, you know, the whole the whole first act of, of this movie where they're in Topango, Mexico, or something. <laughs> I don't know, but it's like uh, no, no, no. Okay, then we get here. Hold on. Ah, what is it? What is it? Tampico. 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 Yeah, Tampico, Mexico. Sounds like a delicious thing, like sauce that you put on. Your I guess eggs. so. I think I would assume something like uh, the cream in the Mexican cookie. That's what I call you, by the way. <laughs> My Mexican cookie cream. Well, you should. Yeah, so it's like they're in Mexico, have down on their luck, and it's like nothing's getting better. They're bums. They're. I, I think Tim Bolton says at one point, like shining their uh, the benches with the seat of their pants. Right. And and um, it's always like get a little bit ahead, enough to get a little money. You know, there's a famous sort of series where where Bogart's asking strangers for like a, a peso for an American down on their luck, yeah. and it's always. The director. The, the joke is, it's, it's, yeah, it's John Houston. But, they keep, but the, the, the bigger joke is that they keep asking the same guy, right? And it's it's, it's a little bit of an Alfred Hitchcock move and a little right. bit of a joke with the same guy. But the point is, like, it's it's like life, you know. It's like you're never going to get nothing's ever going to happen. You're just going to get a haircut or a mm -hmm. meal or something else. You're always in the same spot. Yeah. And whenever they try to do something, like go work on an oil rig or whatever they were doing, it's like the boss. Um, cheats them out of money, right? Right. Yeah, so it's yeah, like, yeah. what are we gonna do? And 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 then the ultimate sort of like um, uh, uh, criminal in a capitalist system, which is like the lotto or the numbers right. or whatever comes along, and it's like just out of like nothing better to do, they buy a, a ticket right. from a, a boy, Bobby Blake. What? That's from, Robert Blake from, from Young Robert Blake. Yeah. 
That's why he said, excuse me, I need to go kill my wife. I never understood that line. <laughs> That's Robert Blake? That's Robert Blake. That's interesting because he was, he's a teenager there, like a young teenager. Yeah. But before that, he was in our game. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. my. It's a young Bobby Blake. Young Bobby Blake. Oh. Keep your eye on the bread. <laughs> That's why he said, Senor, would you like to buy a sparrow? Because you keep your eyes on it. Oh. Keep your eyes on the sparrow. <laughs> you know, I got it. It's from I got it. Yeah, no you were just singing that goddamn song. I fucking hate you. Okay, so, sorry. Uh, yeah, yes, Ed. So, so um, but in the meantime, they've met this character, Walter Houston, who, t- who has all the tales. What? Be <laughs> <laughs> Traven, do you have a comment on it? I don't know if I do. <laughs> um, who, who, who has tales of, of uh, gold mining. And so mm-hmm. it's like when they finally win a little money, now we get to act two, which is going up the mountain and getting some gold. Right. Gold. I love this. So far, I love it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Somebody does. What do you think over time of, of the character of Walter Houston? What do you think of this? Oh, Walter guy? Houston? Oh, yeah. the, that character? Oh, yeah. he's, I mean, he's utterly static as a character goes, but he's, I mean, he's, he's like, freaking, like, come on. This is something, I don't know if it's in the American character, but uh, I love a coot. There's something like a coot, particularly a coot when it's related to gold in some way. I just love them. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Joseph. I got gold. Well, so gold, I tell you. We're going to go and get it. I fucking love that character. Yeah, there was a... a he plays that character. Gabby Hayes, I think, was kind of the prototype, right? I don't like know who's the prototype, but maybe. And <laughs> Walter Houston. And later on, you get you get people like... Um, Ooh, I, I was just you. watching the, the scene from Blazing Saddles where the old coot's on the roof and the, the church bell keeps interrupting him. Yes. <laughs> no, it's a ding, ding. Oh, um, so it's up like, here dancing for the gold. Yeah, so, the, so okay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he functions pretty well, I guess. It, it's like... But here's the thing. Here, okay, here's the real. I think the big problem yep. with him is you know that point where like uh, one of them is like going to pick up a rock and kill Walter Houston's character. Mm-hmm. That would happen for me so much earlier in that trip. Yeah, I would want to kill that old yeah, yeah, little yeah. prick a long time. Well, that's the but, but the like ten- very soon into the, the tension is the sort of survival thing, which is is that he's an irritating old coot, but you're not going to survive without him. But it's just like turn the rock on myself afterwards. But also, I mean, the thing is. Here's another premise. As long as we're tearing great old movies down. Dance, do it, Joseph. They I met him in a flophouse. And, and he told them that gold never lasts. Well, that's the thing that that's, that's, the, thing, it, that's the thing that's kind of left out of the movie is that that voice is actually is actually coming from a number of his fleas. On <laughs> oh, good lord! I no. thought you thought you were going to make a serious. No, point. no, no, no. No, no but no. seriously, I mean, I get. I mean, I guess the well, answer he makes could, it pretty clear he's made and lost his. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He's a fucking crazy alcoholic. Yeah, I guess, but it's sort of like if you're in a flop house and, and someone says, "Do you want some meth?" and you go, "I've heard that's bad stuff," and it's like, "Oh, it is." Mm-hmm. Would you like some? And everyone goes, "Yeah." I, well, I guess that actually happens in life, doesn't it? Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, <laughs> that, that sounds, actually does happen. I, I think we're like in here in Fresno. I believe we're within 400 meters of that happening at this moment. Right? Yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah. good point. <laughs> All right, so so, it, but, but you're right. I mean, like it's like who wants to, do you want to go investing with a guy you made at a flop house ultimately, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so okay, you're making fair points, Tom. Well. Oh. For an old cool Yeah. So, so this idea that, I mean, the other thing about this is, this is sort of like watching Titanic in a way, in the sense that, like, it's not about what's going to happen, because you know what's going to happen. No. It's no. about how it happened. Yes. Yes. That's the kind of movie we're in on here. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And this is not a subtle movie. 
Let's can I can I can I make that statement right now? I think you're right, but why is it so good? That, I don't know because this is a great movie because it's cartoony, but at the same time, there's like there's meat to it. Like there's there's a certain amount, it, and it comes down to Bogart's character as much as anything else. Like at the end, Bogart's it. character just takes over the fucking movie. I think about halfway through, actually. and you and you and you, some I don't. Why is his character so cartoonish? I'll tell you, and what. so compelling at the same fucking time. Because because and think, cartoonish, I think, is a real good word. Not bad, but I think it's because there's so much menace. He is menacing. Yeah. And then there's something that's broader that's even more menacing than he. Uh-huh. You know what? I'm going to say it's a little racism. I think it's Mexicans. Really? I think that's really what it is. Because every time <laughs> someone out menaces Bogart, it's just they're wearing a sombrero. Yeah, what, what You're like, ooh, Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's well, how it happens in this movie. Honestly, kind of hurts a little bit. That might be some truth. <laughs> no, but there, you well, because know. but then let's face it: all the Mexicans who are doing that are are definitely desperate characters for sure. Yeah, even the, when 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 the um, the cavalry almost comes in, right? The the yeah, yeah. the Mexican police on the on the burros, the mountain, you know. Go ahead, get him, chew him, spit him out, all that sort of stuff. It's like we never get to meet them. We right. only get to meet the ones who rob them on the train and who do the famous "We don't need no stinking badges" later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 before they show up, the most menacing character is always Bogart, who's willing to kill a guy because he asks for water. So, but here's okay. So, but here's another thing that well, I, that I love about Bogart and the character, which I think is really interesting. Is you're absolutely right. He's 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 a menacing character, and he does that despite being noticeably shorter. And less, yeah. and less physically imposing than anybody else on the screen. Oh, because his menace... Because he's crazy. That's that's what makes it worse. It's You know the old Dave Chappelle joke? It's like the person... The, baby, get off that corner. Why are you selling uh, that weed, baby? It's uh, Chappelle says the people he fears the most are the white guys in the black gang. Because who knows what they had to do to get in there? <laughs> There's yeah. a little bit of Bogart in that that statement. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, There's yeah, because he's... Yeah, because he's he yeah he's he's unhinged and that becomes apparent sort of somewhat early on in the movie. But also, everybody he, unhinges in this movie. That's kind of the cool thing about it. Not well, not not Walter Houston's character or Tim, Tim Holt. Holt. Uh, Tim Holt's start character uh, a little bit. No, I think he does under under the tutelage of cite Bogart's character. Sir. I call you out on the carpet now, sir. Cite something. Well, why didn't he shoot Bogart? Oh, that's the un- that's Tom's version of unhinged. <laughs> Why didn't he oh, yeah, shoot should, somebody? What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, all right. Gonna, come on, the guy is going to obviously kill you the moment you close your eyes. It's really oh, a simple, you it's mean not, during those the, 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 the Well, that's because I think Holt, no, I think Holt just goes got a little crazy at that point. No, I think he's he's too good. I think it's the problem. I think that's what that's what's great about Houston in here is because everything goes against it being a good movie. For instance. That's there's, true. There's all this sort of stuff where they're mining for gold, and it's like, well, you know, just look at the clock. You know, it doesn't end with them doing well with the gold, and yet you're fascinated anyway. Right. There's no. It makes no sense, right? So what is it? It's like little moves. I'd say it's the Gila monster under the rock. Go ahead and oh, stick your hand under there. Yeah. That, it's those little moves that actually. Where, where, where'd my diver's watch go? <laughs> it's the Gila monster's ass. That's my wife's Hello. wedding ring. Um, it, or the whole. <laughs> That's a joke from junior a, high school. A gala monster. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> the whole scene where they're uh, where he where Houston gives the speech about one man looking after their stash separately from the others, yeah, or whether they should bury it together. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff is sort of fascinating. And then, yeah, of course. Oh, I'm forgetting. All of a sudden, I'm remembering. Oh my God, it's it's, it's happening, folks. 
It's happening. Um, the the uh, the lost tribe uh, with with the the kid who's who's almost drowned and and, right. and Walter Houston has to. This is the reason he's separated from them. Right. Well, my God, this movie is complex, Tom. I love it. <laughs> it's very complicated, Jess. It is though. I uh, for sure. I remember the first time I watched this. He's a medicine man at the end. Is Walter Houston? Was that your? Uh, your dad. I watched this with your brother Chuck at uh, Finley Number Ones. Mm-hmm. You weren't there for some reason. It was a weekend visit. Mm-hmm. I think maybe you had something sports wise going on. Yeah, it's impossible. Chuck was, I was there. A young sportsman. I stayed over there. Sporting. He's doing a visual of, of uh, Jack Johnson. <laughs> Jack Johnson. Yes. Jack. Exactly Jack Dom DeLuise Johnson. <laughs> yeah, his uh, his reach wasn't as big as his tummy too. Yeah, that would have helped. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, it's super menacing. Um, it also has a, a beyond being a sort of naturalistic tale. It has a it's a fatalistic tale. Uh-huh. You know, the fates sort of tell us in Act One what's going to happen at the end. There, hmm. do tell. How do you, how do you, come, you want, how do you come to that? You were going to ask me to follow up on that because I wasn't too sure about it myself. Well, <laughs> well, I guess what we're saying before is that it's, yeah, it's know that you know, everyone's sort of down on their luck having been somebody once. Right. So now that when they go to, to try to be somebody, you, you know that there's no other turn for it. One of the, the most interesting part, I forget his name, but he's also in, in uh, Dark Passage. He's the guy who comes along and he's like, I, I, I didn't, I thought I was among civilized folk. Who okay, right, 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 right. And he's got a wife. Mm-hmm. I forget the, the actor's name, but it's like it, there's always something telling. Peach farmer guy. Peach farmer guy, we call him. Yeah, yeah. There's always something telling about um, someone who shows up in this movie with good intentions because they're immediately thwarted. Right. And so there should be no surprise. This is coming, and yet there are surprises coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you're right when you come to think about it. But, but again, that would have been definitely well in keeping with sort of Traven's approach to the whole thing. And there's just a certain way in which you can't get around that, could you? Like in this tale of in this tale of of, of mortal greed, like nobody's coming out of it clean. Yeah, that's interesting. You're coming out of it dead or dirty. You know there's no kinda, other way. I'm kind of thinking here. I mean, this is 48, it's right? Damn, it's Presuming happening. it's filmed in 47, released in 48. Mm-hmm. Huac isn't really fully going yet, right? But it's on the horizon. Yeah, it's Anyone definitely, with it's definitely loading ears, fuel into the carburetor. We're already for sure, telling tales about the Soviets. Right? So I'm curious how how this mo- how movies like this get made, given the possibility. I suspect this was a movie that that, that made them want to do Huac. Honestly. I, I, I don't know the timing of it well enough. I'll, yeah. be, I'll be very honest about that. But this strikes me and and and. and it's all well. But we're talking, by the way, sorry, we're talking and talk about, about the House, House on American, American Activities the, Committee, yeah, the, the Red Scare, essentially. So, but the thing is, this uh, the, which, which I think kind of begs the question, make, well, makes the timeline even a little more watery. Was Bogart did tell Huac to go fuck themselves, and then he recounted and he was, it later, though. Well, yeah, he did recount it later, but he was kind of one of the people who could get away with it at that time, temporarily. Yeah, well, yeah, to catch up on them because because the heat on on uh, the Huac went uh, went ballistic after a while. Um, so he wasn't able to fight it forever, but he did a decent job. You know, he fought the good fight at the beginning for sure on that. And I wonder if I'd like to find out the timing of this relative to that. That'd be interesting. Yeah, because this, yeah, this would definitely be a scandalous movie <laughs> to be making at that point. Yeah. Huh. How would you rate this movie? Scandalous. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> Two scandals. <laughs> Two scandals in a circle. Two scandals out of four. Um, oh, this is one. Of, this is another top hunt. Well. Oh, top 100 for sure. Top 100 for sure. Maybe top 25. Maybe. But the question is, it's 
it, given is, everything we're saying about it, it just really <coughs> doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, a movie like Dark Passage makes more sense to me. Really? I, it actually might be a movie I like slightly better because I, I, I'm in love with Dark Passage. Oh, okay. Be, be, because if you lay it out on the table, these two, it's like Dark Passage is actually more interesting and more has more possibilities. It's also it's also slightly more ridiculous too. No, I mean, just people the, change their faces all the time. No, you people can make you look like a monkey. Who happen to. to be right next to <laughs> in, in prison? Who happened to happen to know the woman who set you up? Like, yeah, absolutely. Totally believable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's its own treasure. <laughs> no, I mean I love. Uh, uh, or the key Here's, here's the thing. thing about this. So so let's, let's so let's take, let's break it down along okay, these lines. Do if you don't mind, yeah, let me please. throw this out there. There's a quality of movie that I love yep. that's all out of proportion to the actual quality of the movie. Are you talking about Tennis Anyone? Well, there is that for sure. Yeah. yeah okay, <laughs> what, what do you mean? That fucking classic? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so in that sense, this is, I think, this is a more enjoyable movie than it is like a, like a, a great movie. Yeah, the thing is, it's important to note that... Or is it? I don't know. If that, I don't know if I'm right about that. I don't know, but it's, here's what's important to note. You can, we can easily each say... That, oh, because we have this personal connection and nostalgia. But America has, well, not all of America, but America, when it looks at classic movies, has that relationship God with this movie. Damn it. It does make. What? So it's so it's much less likely that it's a good movie. Yeah, it might be less of a good movie than we think. Oh, no. America I'd like loves to make the case movie. it's a terrible movie. The worst movie I've ever seen. Oh, no. I mean, is this better? Uh, better than uh, let's let's what could we compare? But like we like three months ago we did like Godfather two for instance. Is this a better movie? Think than about that? T- it was two years ago as I recall we did uh, Godfather two. Like Is that. this a better movie than Godfather two? No. no. I, I mean in terms of quality of movie, are you asking quality of movie? Or are you talking? Are you just about enjoyability? I'd still quality, say either one. Quality of movie. Yeah. Quality of movie. No. Yeah. But I don't. Let's 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 in compare. In sense, so, that's the case. Apples yeah. and oranges. I say let's let's get orange and orange here. Um, what's what would Donald be, Trump versus? <laughs> what's what is this movie? How about okay, this versus Man Who Would Be King. Hmm. Both flawed, both and Houston. both great. Both Houston. Both Houston. Which is a better movie? They might be equal. They both have uh, the same amount of flaws. I'm going to go Treasure the Sierra Money, but they're both very. They're both. They're both two flawed movies. Yeah. That I love, and and the problem, and the great part is, kind of love them for their flaws in a sense. Yes, in a way. Because if, if you really think about it, what's the difference between the two movies in the beginning? How about in the end, even? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the whole point of the movies is greed, destroying, <laughs> destroying somebody. I think John Huston just blew my mind, man, man. Did you ever look underneath your fingernail and think that's a whole John Huston universe right in there? <laughs> All right, I think you've, <laughs> you've, you've... We're officially out of our minds. I think you've closed the lid on this box. <laughs> Perfectly <laughs> so. The lid on this box or this toilet? Tom uh, Tim Holt, by the toilet. way, I think I've seen him in one or two other things, but he never really went as far as I think he should have gone if this movie were an accurate representation of his abilities. I wonder what the... Yeah, yeah, true. But that's true of a lot of people in Hollywood. So many, so much so much lost potential in the, in the wasteland of Hollywood. Yeah, I, but what, else, say, what else have you seen him in? Because I honestly don't remember I, ever seeing him in anything. Honestly, here's how little I've seen him. I've I've gone, oh, that's Tim Holt from... That's how I've seen him. It was in Chico and the Man. He was like... Uh, Chico, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Chico, don't do... Chico, don't lose my number. I mean, what... Um, <laughs> I don't know why, why Peter Houston off. 
is a bigger star than Tim Holt. Uh, I, I, Natural uh, transition. Where did you that? <laughs> where the fuck did that come out? Well, just because it's like, why isn't Tim Holt a big star? Why is Peter Houston off one? I don't know if that's an answerable question, dude. Because again, it's we're talking Hollywood. It just does have a there's bit a, there's a quality of luck that's just going to go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. And, and Houston, Houston all sounded like gay, and I like that. He was uh, okay. He might well have been. I don't know. I don't know. And I support him either way. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, it's important that I say that. Absolutely. Okay. Treasures Here, Madre. Great movie. <laughs> it's like a wonderful I think that's movie. what we, everyone understood, right? Wonderful movie, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So definitely go watch that flick. Rent it, if you will. Do that, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. All right, uh, Mr. Finley, anything else? I can't think of anything. What more could there be in this world, I wonder? All I, right. Take care, bub.